0: Welcome to Career Day
1: on the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to learn about the skills accumulated and lessons learned from a great marketer throughout the various stops on his career. Joining us for Career Day is a digital marketing strategist and educator. Shane Barker is the founder of the Shane Barker Consulting Firm, which is a digital marketing strategy consulting firm that specializes in developing and executing digital marketing, influencer, SEO, and social media campaigns. He's also a contributing author for publications, including Forbes, and he's been an instructor of marketing at UCLA. Shane is also the host of one of my favorite marketing podcasts, the Marketing Madness Podcast. Okay, here's our interview with Shane Barker, founder of the Shane Barker Consulting Firm and host of the Marketing Madness Podcast.
2: Shane, welcome to the Martech Podcast. Hey, Benjamin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about the interview today.
1: It's great to connect or reconnect. I should say I was on your podcast or we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about what we're doing here at the MarTech podcast and great way to build relationships through podcasting. Happy to have you as a guest on our show as well.
2: Absolutely, man. There was definitely a connection and I'm glad that you interviewed me and want to have me on your podcast. It
1: was love at first pod. What can I say?
2: I didn't want to bring it up, but I was like, the emotions are really strong. I didn't want to say love, but I do feel like we had that connection at least.
1: Pretty close to singing Total Eclipse of the Heart, but I'll save everybody's ears.
2: Or beaches.
1: Beaches, another good one. (laughs) We could go movie quotes all day long. Let's talk a little bit about marketing. Let's start off and hear from you about your story. How did you get into marketing?
2: I've always joke around about this. I'm in denial of how old I am. So I originally was telling people, oh, I've been doing this for 15 years until my wife walked by one day and says, why are you lying to everybody? I said, what do you mean lying? I'm not lying to anybody. She goes, you've been doing this like 25 years. Quit acting like you're in your 30s. So anyway, coming back to be honest, because I want to be honest with your audience. It's been 25 plus years. I originally jumped into marketing of because I've always had my own businesses. And so it was one of those situations where I looked at, I didn't have a lot of money to start off. So I was like, okay, well, how am I going to be able to market my companies with not a lot of money? and so I really thought, well, the way to do this is to hire other people and learn what they know how to do. And so this was many moons ago. This was, I don't know how many years ago now, 10, 15 years ago when I was getting on like, get a freelancer. Now it's freelancer and there's some other stuff. And I would hire individuals on different aspects of the business that I didn't know how to do. And so that's really the way that I jumped to the marketing space just because I was learning from other individuals. I did end up getting my degree in marketing, which I'm proud to say that I probably use maybe one or 2% of that because everything's absolutely changed from what I learned in school. The way that I learned marketing was just... through grinding it out and having my own businesses. And then eventually because of the businesses that I've created online and offline, that kind of catapulted me into consulting and kind of where we're at today.
1: So you started off as an entrepreneur, you were running businesses. What type of companies were you running? You mentioned online and offline. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing pre-marketing experience.
2: I actually own a bar in Chico, California. So that's where Sierra Nevada is from. And I used to always joke around, if you know anything about Chico, California, it's not a hard concept to sell alcohol to the kids out there. It's like was one of the number one party schools in the nation. The way I always explain it, and this is a terrible explanation, but it's like selling crack to a crackhead. Like you know, the crackhead's going to come back and want crack. So it's the same thing at Chico. Chico was an awesome school, and I knew that people were going to want to come back. And you know, we just had to figure out how. Our biggest hurdle, I guess, there in Chico was there was a lot of options, and the price point of alcohol was very cheap. Right, you could go and get a pitcher of Sierra Nevada for six dollars. So you're making a dollar. And how do you pull those the students in to be able to make that residually? And then even bigger than that, we didn't realize this, but during summer, everybody leaves. So now you have all the students that are gone. I opened, I opened my bar literally the graduation weekend, which is the craziest weekend. Phenomenal sales, everything was awesome. And then Monday came around, and there was nobody. Like everybody had pretty much left town. So I had to figure out for the next three months, like how do I pull in locals? How do I pull in people? So it was a huge learning lesson. You know, it's not hard when the students are there for the most part, but your margins are a lot lower too. So, anyways, that was my offline business. I mean, I've had a few of them. I used to work at Chevy's Mexican restaurant. I did a lot of training for servers and all kinds of fun stuff. That was that's like Shane 1.0 and Shane 2.0 in the marketing spaces. I used to have a company called Hot Pad. It was a reusable heat pack that I brought to market. I actually had a co-patent on it and I was importing from Korea. And I ended up building it out to be like promotional items. So we would like work with Nike and we had some stuff with like ABC. What it was is a reusable heat pack. So what you do is you'd bend a trigger stick back and forth and it would literally in your hand heat up to 130 degrees and you could use it for snowboarding and skiing and you can use it for your back or your shoulders. And so I built out a therapeutic line as well. So therapeutic promotional um, were the two products that we had there. And I had kiosks and malls. So I had probably about three kiosks here in Sacramento and then some in the Bay Area where we would sell the product as a therapeutic line. And then I've had a, a lot of other businesses. I had a business where we were helping people lower their property taxes in California. So a lot of the times when properties, when you lose value in your property, people don't reassess their property value. And you can save anywhere from $500 to $10,000. And the city usually doesn't lower your property taxes because they want to keep them nice and high. So I would offer that as a service. So we did that. And then I had you know another business, 130 employees that we went and helped people sue lenders and that was for people that were put in bad loans that you know, didn't speak English or they wouldn't put grandma on a bad loan or they lied to you, said you're going to get a 4% and you got a 10%. So anyways, that was many moons ago. And now it's kind of catapulted me where I'm at today and I'm teaching at UCLA. I have a class that I teach.
1: So what I'm hearing is that you had experience running a sort of a traditional brick and mortar business in Chico. You've done consumer package goods, promotional goods, and even moved into professional services. At some point, you made the transition into marketing, and you mentioned that you were learning from hiring freelancers and being an entrepreneur. When did you make the shift into a marketing-focused role?
2: The reason why that was is because I, I enjoyed obviously running my own businesses. But I think really when I started to do the consulting side of things is really when I jumped into the, the marketing side. I was heavy, heavy on the marketing side in regards to didn't necessarily have to drive as much sales. But I worked on the marketing to be able to get other companies and get them up on going online and be able to generate sales and generate the right type of traffic online.
1: So you started working as a consultant. What were the lessons that you took from your entrepreneurial experience that you were able to help implement in terms of marketing learnings that supported your consulting clients?
2: The biggest thing that I learned there when working with consulting clients was a lot of the times what clients think that they needed wasn't necessarily what they needed. So there was a lot of not miseducation, but I guess misconception of what they thought they needed. So I would talk to them, they'd say, Oh, my gosh, I need to get sales as soon as possible. So but I need to start doing SEO right now and and with a limited budget. And I'd say, Well, maybe SEO isn't because it's more of a long term play, right? So I realized through my own business of like, what each aspect of or, you know, different things that I'm doing in regards to marketing, what time it took to be able to get you to be able to generate sales. So SEO is a longer term play. PPC can happen potentially overnight. You have influencer marketing is a little longer term play. So there was, I realized like kind of realistic timelines to be able to get something up and going using a certain type of, you know, whether it's SEO or PPC or influencer marketing or content, anything like that. So it kind of helped me with timelines and being realistic with clients with what they need and also the timelines to get it done.
1: I think that's an important lesson and it's one of the things that took me a long time as somebody who's dedicated their career to marketing was the understanding of the time it takes to cultivate a marketing channel. And it makes sense that you as an entrepreneur knew that, hey, organic growth channels take a certain amount of time and upfront investment to grow, but they continue to grow and continue to scale if you continue to invest. A PPC channel is, you know, sugar, not vegetables, right? You eat it, get instant energy, but it's hard to keep consuming it. At some point, it's just too much. When you start working with consulting clients, what was the way that you were getting that point across? It's something that I've struggled with of saying, hey, look, I know that you want growth right now, but if you continue to invest in paid channels, you're creating a toll booth for yourself. You need to start investing in these other things. What were the ways that you worked with your consulting clients to get that message
2: across? I have like these qualifying questions that I send out, like really, what are your expectations? What are your budgets? And how soon do you expect to get these results? That always is very helpful for me because they go, oh, I want to spend, you know, $50,000 and we need to get results in two weeks, right? And I go, okay, well, that's not going to be an SEO play, right? And I educate them.
1: That's a paid campaign.
2: That's a paid campaign, right? Or there's the other side of it. And they go, hey, we've done this before. We've done a little bit of SEO. We understand it takes six months. We're educated on the process. Um, we're willing to put whatever $10,000 a month into that. But we also want to drive some sales. And so we're thinking about this. And so it just comes down to expectation, right? And what they think in their mind, like give you a good example, like influencer marketing, People assume that what it is, is you find an influencer with a large following, you give them 10 grand, you send them a product, they take a picture of the product, they put it on their Instagram, and then potentially millions of dollars come flowing in. And now you're going to go live on your island, you're going to drink Coronas and hang out with your model girlfriend or wife, right?
1: Is that not how it works?
2: It is. (laughs) I didn't want to bring it up because I don't want to give everybody the secret sauce. Okay, good. Because that's my next marketing strategy. Yeah, I was like, you know, you're going to be on that island. I might even be on that island. Am I with my private jet, my caviar, my little pink poodle? Anyways. So the idea of it comes down to expectation. And so influencer marketing being that thing that takes a longer time. Because people, it's not that way. It's not just posting one picture. SEO isn't just going after one keyword. PPC isn't just building one funnel and then knowing that it works, right? I mean, all this is marketing. Like, If everything that marketers did work, then you would only work with one marketer for 50 years, right? The idea is you have to be able to find out where that working funnel is at. And so it just comes down to expectation. I mean, the qualifying questions actually changed my business because I would have these calls and then finally we'd get down this thing and then they're like crazy. I'm going to spend $10,000, but I want to make a million or something. And I'm like, Well, no, duh. Like, who doesn't? Like, at the end of the day, like, if I could do that for you, I could do that for everybody. Like, you got to be kidding.
1: I'd be charging you more than 10 grand.
2: Yeah, a lot more. So for me, like I said, it's expectation and being, and that's, you know, now when we get later on in your career, you can, I ask these questions because they think they're interviewing me, but really I'm also interviewing them to make sure that they're a good fit for what we do and with proper expectation and budget and, you know, make sure we can move forward.
1: So when did you start consulting? How far along in your career were you?
2: I'm going to say maybe about 12, 13 years ago, I started doing consulting. It was because I had had some great businesses online and some that had failed and some that had made it. I had a business that did really, really well. So I was in this position where I thought, wow, I can start another business, which I'm always have my own business. But I also felt like there was knowledge to give. I was doing a lot of startup work in Sacramento, California, where I was helping startups and really kind of helping educate them and saying, Hey, here goes some hurdles. Here goes some things that I went through and this cost me 10 grand. You know, I went and paid $5,000 for a press release and I didn't know how to distribute it. Right. And you don't have to pay $5,000 for a press release. So there was just things that I learned. I felt like I needed to kind of tell the world about it. And that's my blog started about eight or nine years ago. And I kind of did the same thing of, hey, let me educate people on what I've done, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and just kind of like educate the masses. Because there wasn't a lot of that when I started 25 years ago, let's say 15 years ago on the internet, maybe that's how long ago it was. But there wasn't a lot of people talking about what was working, what wasn't working. And I kind of felt like I was raised by a nurse and a counselor. So I'm like a hippie hugger. So I'm like, let me go help the world. You know, let me go ahead and put out my information and people can consume it. And that's kind of where we're at today, where the blog's been doing phenomenally well and the podcast has been fun. And so, you know, that's kind of, it's that natural transition.
1: So when you started 15 years ago in your consulting business, what were the marketing channels that you were focused on?
2: The channels that we were looking at then was mainly social media because social media was kind of, I think even that might have been a little bit before social media, but really it was building websites and trying to get... It was SEO, but we really didn't really know that it was SEO. It was kind of like, here, let's build the website. And then there might be some traffic that's coming in. There wasn't you know, there was a lot of software. There wasn't a lot of things. Obviously, the way we could be able to figure out if anything was really working was through sales. So we would go and build these websites and still didn't... There weren't heavy SEO intent with them. I mean, we were still kind of putting some stuff out there and seeing what was going on. I mean, now you have... you know, There's all kinds of softwares and there's this and that and there's... Just and there's all kinds of fun stuff where you can go help educate yourself. So back then it was building the websites and helping individuals drive some traffic there and then be able to convert that traffic. But it was very early stages. And then social media came along and we kind of worked on that a little bit. And I mean, we worked on it a lot, but of like, how do we drive traffic through certain profiles through, you know, at that time it was, I think, MySpace. Let me really date myself. For everybody else, it's like millennials. Just look up MySpace.
1: I actually think there's a MySpace account with my aspiring music career somewhere. What?
2: That's awesome.
1: I'm not going to tell you what the fake last name was because you might actually look for it. But
2: I am going to look for it. My team is good too. I'm going to find you, and we're going to. I'm going to expose you. And I'm going to tell the world.
1: I'll put it this way: it's Benjamin, and it's a type of color blue. Good luck.
2: All right, I'm going to find that, and I'm going to send it to you. I'm looking forward to this.
1: So you you're working on web development, right? Helping people move their businesses to digital assets. Then you are focused on social media. How have you transitioned from basically the web, 0.0 to 1.0 to wherever we are today? How have you seen marketing change as a consultant over those years?
2: The biggest change that I've seen probably over the last eight or nine years is really just the amount of content that can be produced and the amount of content that is being produced. So when I started doing content, let's say, 8 or 9 years ago, I was just producing content to share with the world. And now I actually produce content with intent, right? So I think a lot of that's kind of changed because there's just so much stuff out there, right? There's so much content out there. And it's like, you have to have a goal of when you're creating content, whether that's a podcast, whether it's a video, whether that's a blog post, you have to figure out what is your goal with that, right? You have to kind of build it backwards and say, hey, it's because I want to get great SEO for this. So I'm going to have good keywords in there. And I'm going to build that out. Or what is your goal? Like What is the intent of that content? And so now we're looking at, we instead of putting just content, out there, I want to go and have certain keywords, certain things that we go after, once again, with that intent. So that's what I've seen. I mean, marketing is, you know, there's always going to be new platforms, there's always going to be new stuff, but I've really, I'm a big advocate on content marketing, right? I'm a big advocate on like educating the world and putting this content out there. And then you can convert that traffic over time. And so we do that, obviously, through the website. We do that on the podcast. I mean, there's, a, you know, through my speaking events, I'm here for to educate. And if people say, hey, I think Shane's a good guy and I want to hire him, great, then they can reach out to me and that's great. But if not, then if you can read my blog post or hear my keynote speech and get enough information to go be dangerous, then go do it.
1: It's one of the reasons why I think our marketing bromance started off so hot and heavy is that we view content marketing in a very similar fashion. And I've seen that advertising sort of in a traditional sense, mostly in the digital medium, has changed people aren't just using flat banner ads. Sure, there's lots of video creative and fidelity is very important, but most good marketers are using content as their marketing vehicle. They're taking a blog post, they're taking an article, and they're sharing that to try to drive some interest and inbound intent to their brand, and then they're remarketing. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know Talk to me a little bit about the content that you create for your business. You mentioned that you had a blog and that obviously you uh, are a podcast creator. What's the reason why you're creating so much content? How does that help your business and how do you monetize?
2: In regards to the blog, we do... So the blog is just shanebarker.com forward slash blog. We have, I don't know, maybe five or 600 articles on there now. We're really heavy on the content side in the sense that we do a blog post a day. Another thing that we do that's really valuable if you're producing content is the revamping of content And we get about 160,000 uniques a month off the website. So we've got some good traffic there. And then regards to the podcast, and I think the podcast we started just about six months ago, really the reason why we're producing so much content is once again, I'm really heavy on the education side, right? I really want to educate people on things that have gone well, things that have gone bad. I feel like if I offer that as my gift, right? Because of things that I've learned, because I have a big team that goes and tries different things. And I say, hey, this is awesome. This didn't work for us and educate people. I'm a big fan of that. I feel like I don't need to go and sell people on my services. If I can educate you and you say, wow, that's awesome that Shane... Told me how to do this, and then if they ever have issues or looking for consulting, then obviously they're going to naturally reach out to me. So I don't do heavy sales of like, "Hey, you got to hire me today," or "You're going to lose out." For me, it's like, "Hey, if my content resonates with you, if what I do resonates with you, and if you like what I do and the content I'm putting out there, then great, we could be a good fit." And you know, I've been doing it for a long time. But if I'm not a good fit, then you can continue to rip my stuff off every week and go and read some stuff and learn how to do things. I have no problems with that. In fact, I encourage it.
1: I appreciate the focus on education. There has to be some sort of motivation that is business related. Obviously, people are reading your content. Are you just using it as a lead generation service or are you using your content to actually drive advertising revenue or sponsorship revenue?
2: It's inbound marketing for me. So I do have on my actual blog posts and I have a little banner. That says, hey, if you're looking for somebody to help you with influencer marketing, you're looking to crush it with SEO. We have case studies and stuff that we have on the website. That is actually how I drive all of my leads is through my website and my speaking events. And then through the podcast as well. But I don't have a sales team. I'm a 35 person team and I don't have a sales team. My sales team is people coming to my website and saying, hey, Shane, I read this article. I have this startup or hey, I want to do influencer marketing or I need to write content or I need PR. I need to really get this out about my company that I've started or anything like that. That's all stuff that's well within our well wheel. And we write content with intent. So in the sense of like, if I'm looking for a PR type client, then what I would do is I'd write a piece that would talk about, you know, that have obviously keyword searches or have the keyword terms, I would figure those out, make sure there's volume there. And then I would write an article kind of backing that out on what's again how to get PR for your local startup, let's say that's it. People go and read it, it's enough information, they go well, and then at the bottom I have a banner, hey, if you're looking to hire Shane to help you with PR for your startup, reach out to him today, or whatever the call to action would be, great, they click on it. And so we build that content a for monetization. So in other words, if we're doing like affiliate marketing or a sponsored post, that's one way. And then And the other side of it is education. So we educate somebody with some kind of a call to action of where they can go and hire us. So there's absolutely intent in regards to the content we produce. So
1: you're using your content as a lead generation service for content marketing. Honestly, that was the original intent for creating the MarTech podcast. The idea was that this was going to be lead generation for my consulting firm. And the MarTech podcast audience grew so much, we decided to move towards a sponsorship and more of a traditional content business model You also mentioned that you're focused on education. You've been a professor at UCLA. What are you teaching at the school?
2: It's a personal branding and how to be an influencer course. I've taught that for a few quarters there. I didn't teach this last quarter. I was working on a few projects and stuff. And I'm in Sacramento. So I would have to fly down to Los Angeles uh, once a week on Tuesdays from 6.30 to 9.30. So it's quite a commute. You know, it's quite a commute to get down there. But it's been awesome. Like creating that course, I worked on it with a friend of mine, Amanda. And we helped put the curriculum together for that. It was one of the first influencer marketing courses. i definitely at a top 20 university. They reached out to me. It was an interesting story on how UCLA reached out to me about, said, hey, we want you to teach this course. You're a practitioner. Not a lot of our instructors or not a lot of the professors know about influencer marketing and you've been doing it, which is kind of interesting. Usually you have to have your master's and, you know, to be able to teach at a university like that. In fact, I was just going back to get my master's to teach at a university here in Sacramento and then UCLA reached out to me. So it was an interesting, you know, all the moons aligned and there I was. So yeah, it's been a fun journey for sure.
1: Did they ever say how they found you?
2: They did. I mean, this is what's funny. They found me through my content. So if you think about this, like content marketing, if people are like, oh, content marketing doesn't work. Content marketing literally got me a job at UCLA. Because otherwise, I could be doing phenomenal things. But if I'm not writing about it, nobody knows you're doing phenomenal things. Other than your mother, who maybe you tell your Auntie Lulu or whoever you communicate with. I was writing about it. And they were reading my blog. And they read me on Forbes and Inc. and all these fun places. And they said, hey, this guy's doing it. We can see in his content that he's actually talking about his experiences through influencer marketing. And he's speaking in all the events we think would be a good instructor or professor. So that's how I got reeled in. And the first email I got, I thought was, I assumed it was a friend just joking around with me like, hey, we want you to teach at UCLA. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I'll come on down tomorrow. And then it was the truth. And they were like, no, we really want you to come down here. And I was like, all right, well, I really want to come down there.
1: I'm still waiting for the folks at University of California to reach out to ask me to run their podcast class, but I guess I'll have to keep going until they call.
2: I think you're coming close. You know, Christmas is right around the corner, but I think it's going to happen for you.
1: That's what I'm hoping for. So tell me, you also mentioned that you are a public speaker, and it's something I'm really interested in. I, I understand the path from, you know, I've been an entrepreneur. I started consulting. Out of consulting comes content marketing, comes the educational piece. What's the reason for hitting the road and getting on stage?
2: It really comes down to the education again. So I do enjoy being on stage. I'm not going to lie and say that I still don't get a little bit of anxiety, no matter how many times I've been up on stage. It's definitely gotten better over the years. There was sometimes I'd sit down in a corner and I'm like, why am I putting myself through this? Especially because some of my speeches early on in my career were in the morning and there wasn't a bar open. So I couldn't go and like drink tequila or anything like that. So I'd have to actually do it sober which was very difficult. Terrible. I know. know. (laughs) And I was like, really? What do you mean your bars aren't open? You know I have a speech today, right? Anyway, so now I do them all sober. So we're good now. And I've received some counseling and some other stuff like that. So I'm doing better. But all joking aside, I look at it like a natural transition of like, hey, like you said, entrepreneur, consulting. I have a book that I'm starting to write right now, the speaking events. And then it all kind of ties back in. So speaking is, I don't know, I've always kind of wanted to be on stage and I enjoy helping people. I enjoy educating people. I've been to plenty of conferences where you have these people come up and they speak like high level. And when they leave, you're like, I don't even think I learned anything. I want to get like one good nugget from each speaker, like give me a website or give me a technique that you did. And for me, my presentations, I'm like, listen, this is exactly what we did. This is where we had successes. This is where we didn't. I want people to leave and come up and go, wow, that was awesome. Like, it's not going to be applicable to everybody in the audience. But I want a handful of people to come up and go, dude, that was awesome. Like That was exactly what we needed. This is what we're looking for. So it's mainly education. It helps with inbound marketing. It helps with the thought leadership. It all just kind of ties in. It's just that natural step, even though there was you know some anxiety involved there. But we'll get over that and then I'll get the book and then maybe run for president or something small.
1: <laughs> so before you get to running for president, you have to tell me when you're looking for speaking events, are you doing outbound requests? Are they coming inbound, like your teaching job at UCLA? What's the right way that you found to get on stage and get noticed?
2: The answer is yes. So I do have a team that does outreach, but the last probably, we haven't done outreach for probably, maybe about two months. The last probably six gigs that I've gotten have been them reaching out to me. So it's either A, they see something I have on YouTube or they see some content. Also on my website, I have a nice little big banner that follows you around and says, Hire Shane for your speaking events. So people will click on that and inquire there. So the cool part about it is it's foundational. Like once you do one speaking event and then there's some people in the audience, hey, I want to have you at my event, and then you're at another event, and then all of a sudden you end up on YouTube and then you're here and you're there. And now you're a speaker, right? And I've just probably in the last two years become what you know, an international speaker where I spoke in Sri Lanka, and I just was in Turkey about a month, month and a half ago. So that was awesome. Any kind of international stuff, I'm always in for because I can sneak in some travel and go have some fun as well. But yeah, it's been a pretty crazy journey, actually. So tell me a little bit more
1: about the outreach that you're doing. I've been a podcast host for 20 months now, and no one ever reaches out to me. I just feel like everything that I do on the MarTech podcast is outbound, right? We're pushing out content and very infrequently, if ever, is somebody asking for us to create a piece of content outside of our sponsor relationships. Tell me about the dynamics where you're doing the outreach to find your first speaking gigs.
2: So this is what it does. It's really, like I said, everything's foundational. So when I was first reaching out to people, I really hadn't done a lot of speaking engagements. So it's gotten to the point now where it's easy because I can say, hey, I'm an instructor at UCLA. I've been doing digital marketing for 25 years. Hey, I've been a keynote speaker at these four events. Like I can almost, almost, almost pick any event that I want and they're gonna probably say yes, for the most part, depending on the audience and the conference. So now I've got it there, but to get there obviously took a lot, right? Like, hey, now I'm a keynote speaker, but back in the day it was like, oh, hey, Shane's spoken at this local event here in Sacramento, or I went and talked to you know, a local news station and they have some clips of that. I was trying to like get in and anything I can do to build the foundation of no different than my blog and like guest blog posts that I would do. I started off on not crummy sites, but sites were just okay. And then you build it up, you build it up and now I'm writing for ink and Forbes, right? So it's all foundational. The thing is, is if like with what you're doing, I'll give you an example. So with what you've got with your podcast, you have the experience, you have the audience, like, People want to know what you've done. Like, there's huge value in that. You've talked about this, but you should have an agency. Like, literally, your speech would be how we went from no listeners to whatever fifty thousand listeners, and how we monetized to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, whatever that is. Right? People go, "Oh my god!" Like, what did you do? You go to any one of these podcast conferences and say, "Hey, this is what we've done." They're going to say, "Like, how soon can you get here?" That's a no brainer because you have the experience and your your presentation can be the same for 10 different, 20 different companies. Anybody that's either content, you know, if you want to create content or anything around how to get sponsors or podcasts, that's like well within your wheel well. And you have that experience and people want to know what did you do? Like, how did you become successful? That's easy, easy for you because you've done it. But it's easy when you go and you pitch those individuals, you get a VA, you find everybody involved in the podcast industry where they have their conferences, anybody that's on creating the right type of content and how you drive that into revenue, how you monetize your podcast. Like, come on, man, you're a soldier.
1: It's interesting. The strategy for doing guest speaking is actually the way that we got connected, which is we had an agency that was helping me become a guest on podcasts. And I thought that, or my assumption is that'll help me either become a more frequent speaker on other podcasts and eventually lead to public speaking gigs. And it sounds like there's a separate outreach campaign that is going right to conferences.
2: Yeah, because that's the thing is they're always looking for speakers, right? The thing is, they don't know what they don't know. So they'll go and talk to their other individuals in the industry and say, Oh, who have you hired? And what are we looking at here? If you pitch them, because really what it comes down to is like, you want to educate people on why you're the bee's knees, right? You want to educate people on why they need to have you there. And really, it's your experience over the last 20 months, like right? You're going to say, Hey, I started this podcast to generate leads. And at the end of the day, I realized I don't need these leads. What I need is sponsors. And I got sponsors. And here I am. This is what I do exclusively. There's some magic that's happened in 20 months there, right? So everybody wants to know that story. People want to hear how you were like, you know, on the streets, homeless, doing drugs. And we've already talked about this. I don't know if your audience knows about this deep, dark side of you. That was off the record. <laughs> and now this is being recorded and it's on record, which just sucks. And I don't mean to put your stuff out there like that. But now we talk about now you're clean, you got a family and stuff, you have kids. And, and now how you've taken your podcast from nothing to something amazing. So people want that story. Trust me, they love that. Like, how did you do it? Everybody wants to like, hold on to that and figure that out. And you have that story. That's it.
1: I guess I just have to title the speech, How I Kicked My Meth Habit and Became a Podcast Host.
2: Dude, that's huge. Yeah. And then you could, I mean, you got those pictures of you like shaking and stuff. Like, once again, not to air your dirty laundry, but I've seen some of the pictures.
1: Mom, if you're listening, he's kidding.
2: <laughs> I was like, Go look at his MySpace. I'm not kidding. That was, he was, it was a problem, but he's, he's good <laughs> now. I mean, he's sober and stuff. Like, it's not a problem. So your story, trust me, you start talking to a handful of people and finding out who's running these events. They're going to say, hey, this is awesome. The difference is what you got to figure out. And the hardest part about being a speaker is because you're going to start this off is like whether you get paid or not. Some of them pay, some of them don't. Some of them are local. Some of them pay for travel. That's another kind of conversation. I'll help you out. Like send you my templates and stuff. We'll just change out Shane and put in Benjamin. Well, walk me
1: through that in terms of not specifically me, but the MarTech community, people that are interested in being speakers. What is the expectation, whether they should be paid, whether their flights should be comped, What, when you're first starting out, should you expect? What's reasonable? You know, you've been doing this for a while. What's the market look like?
2: In the beginning, I wouldn't expect to get paid. I mean, really, it's foundational in the sense that you're building that foundation of where you've spoken at. So if you haven't spoken anywhere, you can't go in and say, hey, listen, kind of a big deal. And they're going to go, so tell me about the events you've spoken at. You're like, listen, a lot of people don't know about me yet, but I really, I've talked in front of my mom at Christmas. I don't have a problem holding the microphone. Like I'm I'm kind of a big deal. They're going to go, that's cute.
1: Hey, Berlin Game community theater.
2: <laughs> I know. Maybe you recognize me from my space. It's like no different when I talk with influencers. They're like, well, Nike doesn't want to pay me. And I'm like, yeah, but you can say you worked with Nike, <laughs> right? So it's like, you have to figure out what you're going to do there. Like with speaking events. Yeah. You start off with the smaller things. You've done like a local event here, or you did this. And then it builds up, builds up. And then next, you know, somebody's knocking on your door and saying, Hey, I've seen some of your speaker reels. I've seen some stuff you've done. We were looking for a keynote speaker. Now, you have some negotiation room. And it depends on the niche and obviously where you're going after marketing conferences, for the most part, they're always going to tell you that they're not going to pay you. They're like, Hey, we're not making money. There's ways around that. It's the education of like, Oh, okay. So what I do, once again, qualifying questions, I go, okay, I understand that you guys aren't going to pay, but how many people usually attend? And they're like, well, we have 5,000 people. And they're like, Oh, that's awesome. And What's the average ticket price? Well, we pay an average of $250. And I'm like, okay, cool. And how many keynote speakers are you going to have? We're only going to have one this year and we have five other speakers. And I'm like, okay. And I know that the hotel costs them probably 10 grand and there's marketing and stuff. And I'm like, there's $100,000 on the table. And you guys obviously want to leverage my name and what I've done. So why shouldn't I be paid for that? Or what I tell them is like, what's the value trade? Hey, we're gonna Shane, let me show you the video of last year's reel. Like, now what I can do is I can take that reel and use that on my website, I can go and pitch bigger companies, then I go, okay, as long as you guys pay for my hotel and my food and this and that, everything's negotiable. But it really comes down to like, where are you at? Like, what do you feel like you're worth? And there's been times where I've been paid $10,000. But other times where I'm like, I'm not being paid anything. And I've had other companies come to me and say, you know what, we're not even gonna pay for your travel, we're not gonna pay for your food. I'm like, so what's in it for me? I'm past that point of trying to build the foundation. I've got the foundation. So you just have to figure out what you're worth. And once again, does it make sense? You know, like if I travel internationally, let's say they don't pay. What does that mean though? Like, are you going to pay for my hotel? Are you going to pay for my travel? And then what do I get out of it? Like, can I use the content? Can I use the pictures? Are there going to be photographers there? Like there's these questions that I ask that I go, okay, that makes sense. Or if I have a client that's going to be there or as you know, how do you get a sponsor? How do I get a sponsor to sponsor this event for me to be there and have that type of relationship where you can monetize it? So there's a lot of different ways to do it.
1: Shan, I had to do this. I'm learning so much from you, but we're 38 minutes into the podcast and we normally try to keep these episodes to 20 to 25. You've done an incredible amount in the 15, okay, let's call it 25 years. You've got your consulting business, the blog, the podcast, the speaking gigs. For anybody that's interested in getting in touch with you, what are the things that you're working on today? What are you most proud of?
2: You can obviously go to my website to shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R. I have a newsletter, which is nothing super exciting. Well, I don't think it is. I mean, it's actually, it actually is pretty exciting. Go down to the bottom of the page. You can go and sign up for the newsletter there. Any of the social media channels, obviously, all of them are just Shane Barker, except Twitter, Shane underscore Barker. And then I'm working on a course right now on how to be an influencer. That's just how to be an influencer.com. So that could be something if you're looking to, you know, basing it off the UCLA curriculum that I put together. And the whole idea of that is to be able to get people to better understand what it means to be an influencer and really to help develop your business, right? Not just like be an influencer, get a pink poodle on a private jet, need free hotel stays. It's about how do you build that business, right? Really build it correctly. So I'll give you my email too. It is my own personal email. That's shane at shanebarker.com. You guys can reach out to me and we can chat.
1: Shane at ShaneBarker.com, the man, the myth, the legend, the speaker, the podcast host, the blogger, the consultant, the Chico State bar owner. Thanks for being our guest, Shane.
2: Awesome, man. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Shane Barker, founder of Shane Barker Consulting. If you'd like to learn more about Shane, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can shoot him a tweet. His handle is Shane, S-H-A-N-E underscore Barker, B-A-R-K-E-R. Or you can visit his website, which is shanebarker.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and the contact information for our guests. You can also sign up for our once a week newsletter or send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can also reach out on social media. Our handle is Martechpod, M A R T E C H P O D, on pretty much every channel Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We're everywhere now. Or you could reach out to me as well directly. My handle is BenJShap b-e-n-j-s-h-a-p and if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed we publish episodes every day so hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning all right that's it for today but until next time my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy